first off let me welcome you back to join hypothesis season three talking about science and all that good stuff and you know we're keeping it chill but we're also bringing on people who just know a lot of stuff and are great at talking to people about it so we have my girl Saya collins here today um Saya is a bad bitch for sure um she's the embodiment of stoner chic like I'm looking at her outfit right now, and she got on a grout fit, but, like, it is a fresh-ass grout fit, you know, the all gray, and she got this Starbucks tea with this beautiful, like, weed plant on the back. She got the 420 socks and the Floriforms hat, like, it's, like, neutral chic with the gold necklace that your mama used to wear in the 90s. And then a green olive scarf to top it off under this hat. Like, the colors are going. Like, you, every time I see you, you're always stoner chic. Because you're cute, you're comfy, you're cozy. Like, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, okay. So, that that's just how she dresses. But Saya actually, like, she does shit too. So, she is an entertainer, like full-on diva and a good diva too like you know not an ignorant ass diva but like your performances you be having like full-on afros running around doing like the tina turner like you be out here like you're a whole star so that's another part of your bio that i want to get to and then we haven't even got to cannabis yet so i actually met saya at a minorities for medical marijuana meeting because she also volunteers with the Missouri chapter, and your presence is just so warm there that I just, like, I don't know, seeing you there, the first time I went there and I saw you and Alex, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna come back. I like these people, I like their personalities, like, this has to be a cool place. So, you know, we always be vibing at M for MM, and you also have other ties to cannabis mm -hmm. working for Starbuds. Starbuds, this is a dispensary out in University City and they sell probably every product you can possibly think of. And ever since they've been recreational, y'all have been out here serving any and everybody. And every time I go into Starbucks, there's all types of people in there. And uh, I don't know, it just be a vibe. So I think I covered most things. Is there anything you wanna add? Cause I know there's probably a bunch of stuff you're doing on the low. But that's my impromptu, uh, my impromptu bio of you. How did I do? That <laughs> was amazing. No, that was my favorite bio. I'm so glad you introduced me that I didn't have to introduce myself. You <laughs> did a lot better than I would have, trust me. Um, but no, that is a lot of it. I, I love singing. I love cannabis. I honestly haven't been <clears throat> consuming cannabis for super long, maybe like, the past five years just on my own like considering myself an actual consumer mm -hmm. and then I am just coming up on I think two years of being in the industry okay so it's all very new to me still the mm -hmm. cannabis side of things I've been singing all my life I've been performing professionally for 10 years about oh, wow. um so that's something that I've always loved <clears throat> and I'm very grateful now to be in a place where I'm I'm having a lot of fun in both of those worlds. And my main thing with cannabis, because I never really saw myself 
in a dispensary and now I'm kind of almost in a place of like, well, what really am I doing in the industry? Like, what is my place in the industry? Because I still some days don't really feel like I'm a bud tender. Like, I just feel like I work at a dispensary. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean but, by that? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not really... Um, super focused on like the selling side of it and like mm. even like just the act of bud tending like I, I love talking to anyone about cannabis in or outside of a dispensary um and then just sometimes when you're like in that retail world it can become other things that are not just solely about the plant and and helping people and I think especially more so now with the with rec and dealing with, um, like you said, just like all types of people, which is amazing that all everyone has, well, all, a lot more people have access to cannabis. Um, mm-hmm. But it also really like makes it more of a retail feel in that there's just like a lot of focus on sales and promotions and selling and brands. Um, whereas me, I just have always loved learning about the plant and just sharing how it has helped me because I've gotten a lot of benefits from cannabis and I'm still kind of dialing in a lot of things about how it can help me. Mm -hmm. So I'm still learning new things every day, which is a great part about working in dispensaries. I learn a lot there. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm I feel like I'm just in a place where I'm just learning and yeah. sharing what I know. Yeah. So. No, I feel that. And I feel like there's so much room to be in cannabis without having to work at a dispensary. So it's nice that you can even like say that like, okay, the work I do there is important and cool, but I also see other ways to engage with it. So that's great. And I know you help a lot of people there, so today I feel like we could really get into actually talking about how weed can help people and specifically how weed impacts the body. So mm-hmm. if you want to spread some knowledge with us, that would be great because I feel like the average person doesn't know what happens like once they take a puff of their joint. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like how... Like, what is even happening when you consume cannabis? Cannabis, like, why you feel the way that you do. Um, and definitely, I think the one of the main things and the overarching things to consider is, of course, the endocannabinoid system, um, which is nothing more than a regulatory system in your body, just like your nervous system, like your central nervous system. Um, and it's just just a system of communicators in your body that helps your various parts do different things. So everybody on earth, I'm pretty sure, uh, has an endocannabinoid (laughs) system. (laughs) Um, Just in the same way that I'm pretty sure everybody has a heart. You know, there's always some outliers. But I think you probably can't exist without an endocannabinoid system. Most humans are, most mammals, maybe. Most humans are born with one. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say mammals, yeah. Mammals. Hey y'all, this is Justin with a quick editor's note just to say that yes, all mammals do have endocannabinoid systems, 
In fact, most animals, vertebrate or invertebrate, have endocannabinoid systems. It's really only insects that are exceptions to this. There's even some research showing animals with some of the simplest nervous systems having endocannabinoid systems. So from a biological sense, all these systems and structures are ancient, which is pretty cool. But yeah, that's it. Thanks. But for sure, humans all have an endocannabinoid system. And we all have our own natural endocannabinoids, which we can maybe get into a little bit later. But basically... It's, it's a system that tells your body to do different, different things. Um, and then when you consume cannabis, the cannabinoids in the plant are communicating and interacting with your endocannabinoid system and then creating different effects. Hey, okay. Thank you for that rundown. So we want to consume weed. The endocannabinoid system is our body of talking to the weed. All right, so let's pretend that we are somehow a very tiny molecule inside of a joint that I'm smoking. Mm. Inside of this this fat joint that I'm holding, mm. us, it's giving a, a gorilla pinky for real. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to spark up this joint. Let's, let's pretend that we are a molecule inside this weed going through the body. So how would this interact with my body? Like what happens when I, you know, I take my first inhale? So I'm pretty sure we have what, just like THC or just a, like. Yeah, the, yeah, this is a normal Delta 9 we THC. Didn't, we didn't do any fancy herbs today. Yeah. Not this time. But so. I got some outside of you. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you told me you guys have talked about cannabinoids in general on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So. As we know, there are multiple cannabinoids, different uh, ones, and we are consuming THC, so that's going to have some specific effects. So when we inhale our joint, then the THC is going to go into our lungs and then cross the blood-brain barrier and be absorbed into your bloodstream. And then the the, um, THC is going to communicate with your endocannabinoid system. So your endocannabinoid system, there's two different types of receptors, to my knowledge. There's CB1 receptors and CB2 receptors. And then depending on which receptor um, is being like activated or engaged the most, it's going to have different effects. So And then also different cannabinoids bind more or bind specific two specific receptors. So like for instance, THC binds usually to CB1 receptors. So CB1, your CB1 receptors are really helpful for, are also like in control of like your nerve functions. Um, They're going to bind to the psychoactive cannabinoids more so Mm. like THC. So when it binds to that receptor, then it tells your endocannabinoid system to send different signals so it's going to send the signal to be high um it's also gonna like interact with other nerves in your body so like thc can be helpful for nerve related pain um oh interesting and that is coming from it interacting with the cb1 receptor in your endocannabinoid system um yeah versus if we were doing like cbd or something that's gonna bind more so to your cb2 receptors 
which is going to have more of an effect on inflammation um, and immune stuff. Okay. And, yeah, I think I was, like, doing, you know, trying to do my diligence and do some background research on those two receptors. And one thing I learned is that the the two receptors kind of one works against the other so if you have a lot of thc in your body that's pumped into your body and that's activating your cb1 receptor but then all of a sudden you get a bunch of cbd that comes into your body and activates the cb2 receptor that it can like change the effect of what the thc would be so is that what people are referring to when they say the entourage effect? Because I'm not. Ooh. <laughs> okay, I think that's two different things. Okay. All right, we got another editor's note here. So it seemed worth it to go into a bit more detail about the idea of an entourage effect. So firstly, there's not a singular entourage effect. Rather, entourage effects are synergistic effects that emerge as the endocannabinoid system responds to either a combination of cannabinoids like THC and CBD or a specific cannabinoid but in the presence of a, another terpene. The synergistic aspect of the definition refers to how in combination um, these observed effects may differ or be enhanced in comparison to the sum of the isolated effects of the individual components. Also the study of and identification of these different Entourage effects is also what provides a scientific basis to some of the more general observations that we've discussed on here with regards to how different terpene combinations or different herb blends could have a pretty significant impact on the resulting highs that someone may experience when consuming cannabis. This is all pretty broad so far, and that's just because when you're looking at all the possible combinations of different terpenes and cannabinoids, it just leads to a lot of specific interactions. But one of the most common or colloquial examples would be how indica strains tend to have a higher concentration of myrcene, um, which in combination with THC is a part of an entourage effect to produce a more relaxing or tired effect that's most commonly associated with indicas or cannabis as a whole. And this is in contrast with sativas having a higher concentration of limonene, which is part of a more energetic or uplifting entourage effect. And the last little tangent here is that this whole idea of entourage effects is also closely related um, with another research area called botanical synergy, um, which refers to a tendency in plants to, you know, in order to carry out a particular biological function, um, they may produce a kind of cocktail of chemicals um, that has a cumulative, cumulative effect that's greater than the sum of the um, that of the individual ingredients. And a good non-cannabis related example of this would be plant toxins for one. So this was all pretty long, um, but one of the papers linked in the show notes looks at the impact of some cannabinoid uh, entourage effects in treating some anxious and depressive symptoms. So if you're interested in learning more, then that may be a good place to start. All right, thanks for listening. But... The first thing you said is really cool because I've not heard it explained that way. <clears throat> I've just always heard like, which I think is a more surface level explanation. So I'm glad you kind of connected these dots. But, you know, you generally hear that CBD can help counteract the, the effects of THC. But that makes sense of why, because there's two, they're two different receptors. And in general, like your endocannabinoid system, like all your systems in your body are meant to balance. Mm -hmm. So 
you can even have like that's kind of why you get a tolerance because when you're pumping your body with these cannabinoids your your body stops make it it makes fewer of its own natural endocannabinoids like it's producing fewer because you're you're giving it more Mm -hmm. so then that's why you feel like you need to consume more to kind of get the same effects but also that makes more sense with the balance of the different receptors like of course one would kind of lessen if the other is increased so that's that's a cool deeper scientific explanation to what you always hear yeah thanks i was trying to do i was trying to read like these like medical articles on it because i was like what do scientists know and like the answer is not a lot lot. like when you were like oh i only know of the cb1 and cb2 receptors that's basically how it is in science is they only really understand information about those two and it doesn't mean that weed isn't not interacting with other receptors we just don't know how yet so it's kind of exciting being able to like try to stay up to date with like what's happening in that world because a lot of what people know in the research world is like information that like people in the legacy market and also people in the legal market have like figured out by people just buying and smoking the plant on the ground research on the ground (laughs) yeah because we don't we don't it after the war on drugs they weren't allowed to have weed in the lab so Mm -hmm. they really Mm -hmm. don't know a lot right now and you know, I'm trying to be part of that knowledge generating like club because you know I love research. So, so quick question for you: Where oh, do you? I know I don't know if people do this. I don't know if that's the rules <sighs> of the podcast. But where do you like to get your research for cannabis? Like, because you said you like to stay on top of that. Yeah. Um. So, PubMed is basically a big database for literature on medical stuff. So, if you did any sort of medical research, um scientific research about certain chemicals and stuff that would be the easiest place to find that but then I'm also very into like social science and trying to understand like things like race and gender and class so like I also look in like social science like literature databases to try to find like how certain groups are engaging with the plant so like I actually had somebody, um, this paper from Dr. Nick Dickerson, who's, like, some black dude who, like, moved to the UK, like, 10 years ago or something like that to do research on, like, he does research on, like, black men in sports and also, like, drug use and things like that. And it's a paper all about how black male artists use cannabis and talk about it. And he quotes a bunch of song lyrics. He he actually, the paper is centered on athletes too. So I, I try to do like, look for research in that world, but I'm also just interested in like, learning from like people like you. So at the M4M meetings, I just listen to what people are saying because the OGs who've been smoking 10, 20, 30, 40 years, Typically, you know, they know everything. So I try to get my information from any and everywhere. But mm-hmm. yeah, this podcast really has taught me a lot. Like the books don't really do it justice. So mm. and of course, just like smoking. That's like um, my favorite way of experimenting is just smoking by like, that's how I figure out how the weed gonna taste and how the weed <laughs> gonna work. Like quite simply. Well, Thank you.
Thank you. Oh, this is good weed. Actually, what are we smoking on the day you call this green crack? That's a, <laughs> that is a blend. I've been going back to my blends lately. Okay. That's a blend of green crack and orange kush cake. Mm. Mm-hmm. Got to be careful with that one. Okay, orange kush cake. Okay, so I feel like we've got into like the endocannabinoid system. You take your puff. You said the different cannabinoids in the plant get involved in, you know, they get into our bloodstream, into the brain. They have our effects once they hit these special receptors that tell our body to like, okay, you're going to be high. You're going to relax. You're going to poop. You're going to do all these fun things. But like in terms of these these cannabinoids let's talk more about them so we already talked about what your body does once they hit them but before you had mentioned that yeah you can consume them in the plants but your body actually makes them i don't know if a lot of people know that your body makes endocannabinoids so can Mm -hmm. we get to that yes so one endocannabinoid that your body makes because i don't know how to say the other one i think the other one is like it does other name is 2AG mm-hmm. um, which I think is different right from anandamide mm-hmm. you've heard of that one I have vaguely but yeah, yeah not there's, much to say there's a couple um, and the second one anandamide I think that's how you say it mm-hmm. that is commonly referred to as like the runner's high like what you feel oh after you go for a good run, you're feeling like euphoric. That is, your body has produced a lot of anandamide. And, or your endocannabinoid system has produced a lot of anandamide. And you're feeling that natural high. Okay. Yeah. So you could get that, like, you could get that same feeling from smoking, too? Similar. Similar smoking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think like you have an endocannabinoid I forget the term but there's like a state of healthiness of your endocannabinoid system and you can like kind of nurse it back to health mm-hmm. and like do certain things to encourage the production of certain cannabinoids and like um, kind of stimulate your endocannabinoid system by doing certain things like running. So then uh-huh. I've heard like if you are a runner, then smoking will affect you or can affect you differently. Or like if you take up running more, then you'll have like kind of a different type of high because oh. your endocannabinoid system is kind of in a different state of health or like on a, in, a, in a different, just different balance really. That makes a lot of sense. When I actually started um, consuming weed in college, I wasn't consuming regularly, but I remember one time I had an edible and it lasted like multiple days. And the thing was, is the high would die down and then it would ramp back up. Like it was like insane because my body was so confused. But at the time I was also like doing a lot of treadmill running for stress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I would run a mile before I studied or else I wouldn't be able to focus. It was terrible. But I remember running and, like, feeling high after I ran. Like, did that run just, like, bring on that high? And I was like, 
I guess maybe because THC is stored in the fat cells. Like that was my hypothesis. And that's the other thing. Like just the, there's so many things when it comes to consuming cannabis and that's why it affects everybody differently because everybody's body is so different. Like, because if you are maybe more or less active, then that may or may not change the level of fat composition on your body mm-hmm. or like even just your depression levels and just like just where you're starting at from a base level can differ on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, depending on what you've eaten. All that can change how cannabis affects you. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And speaking of consumption, do you want to get into consumption methods? Because I know you know quite a bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have, wait, have you guys talked about it at all on here? Like a little bit? Um, A little bit. I mean, we've said the basics. You know, people know about vaping. They know about edibles. They know about tinctures. They know roughly why people would take them. But I don't think that people... I, I am not super familiar with the idea that... They can affect your high differently. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is one thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think a lot of people have experienced this um, maybe most popularly with just how edibles can hit you so much differently than smoking. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the way that that THC is being converted into your body. So like I was kind of touching on earlier, when you... So THC, if we're going back to the cannabinoids, when it exists in the plant, it exists on a different molecular structure, I guess, Mm -hmm. than when it is like being inhaled into your lungs and you have to like burn it or vaporize it to get that chemical change. And so Uh then, yeah, so then when it's, when the THC is activated by combustion or like by, by burning it. Then it converts into THC, and that's what you inhale. But when you eat THC, and now, now that now as like markets get more um, mature, there's different types of THC that you can consume. Like, mm-hmm. um, you can consume THCA, which is not activated, and um, or you can consume THC, which is already activated. Mm-hmm. And then I forget what the chemical is called once once you ingest THC like an edible form mm-hmm. but it changes into a different um type of THC it's just that that molecule is like structured differently or whatever when it converts in through your liver mm-hmm. and so that just gives it a different feeling it usually feels stronger um and lasts a lot longer than smoking it which also smoking um can feel a lot different than vaporizing it and that might be before for a different for like multiple reasons but definitely one reason is just because you're burning those terpenes at a different temperature so you're getting different effects from that okay so this cbg could you uh tell the folks why you are consuming something that we wouldn't consider to be traditional weed Mm. yeah so cbg comes from hemp mostly or I guess this type of CBG um so people don't normally start with smoking hemp derived um or don't prefer smoking a lot of hemp derived stuff like CBG CBD because they're Mm non-psychoactive and that is not necessarily a bad thing it just means 
that you don't get high, but there's other benefits that I really like from CBG, mm -hmm. <clears throat> like the mood uplift that I get from it. I get a lot of like digestional regulation. Oh. Yeah, like it really helps my gut. I think I, I like to think CBG and the G for go, for gut, and for something else that I forgot. That, that I think of with mood. Goodness. Good, maybe. But I don't think that was it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but definitely gut and go. <clears throat> and I do feel like even though it helps me, it, it gets me like a um, focused uplift, I still get some relaxation from it too. And then depending on what form I consume it in, I get different um, levels of that benefit. So yeah, I love CBG right now. No, but I do want to talk about suppositories. Cause, okay. Because I do love that right now. I mean, we can get into it now if you want. Oh, yeah. I've been loving my uh, THC, CBG, and CBD-infused suppository that I found um, by Heartland Lab. Okay. And do they, like, what would be the advantage of taking a suppository? Like, one thing we know is, okay, you don't got to smoke, so it's mm -hmm. probably better for your lungs, but... Compared to like an edible, like why would somebody do that? For sure. So this has been my first actual experience, like real life experience with a suppository and I haven't read much about them. But for me, I was excited about another non-smoking consumption method. I have heard that when you use suppositories because you're uh, because of where you're inserting them, it can be more direct and faster because um, you're, I guess, have better access to your bloodstream if you're just putting it directly inside of you. Um, but for me, I haven't played around yet with the dosage. So like I've been, I've been doing like really low dose suppositories, um, lower than I would normally do with edibles. And I almost feel mm. like I feel them a little bit more than I would if I took like the same, the equal milligrams in an edible form, but since I'm consuming less than I normally would, it's kind of like I haven't, haven't fully gauged how it's affecting me, but I do absolutely feel that CBG and that, that mood uplift and I have some incredible poops from it. Oh. And when I ingest CBD and after using the suppositories, it's like, I'll have the best poop. And then after I poop, I'm like in the best mood of my life. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they always say the gut is like the second emotional center. So I could see uh -huh. that. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like you're, you're just like whoosh. And then you just feel like cleansed and renewed. You're going to make me go yeah. out and get a <laughs> CBG. Yeah, if right I could now. say nothing else about CBG, I'd say that. But I get that from when I, uh, when I eat CBG too, like in edible form. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I'm adding CBG mm -hmm. to the plate. Oh, do it. So there is smoking, vaporizing, eating, or ingesting. Those are popular. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we talked a little bit about suppositories, which I think are really cool. Um, and, uh, like, transdermals, because you can kind of target closer to the, directly to the source of uh, whatever pain or inflammation. And what is transdermal? Oh, yeah, sorry. Those are like topicals. So 
and there's different types of so a topical is generally like an infused product that you're going to apply onto the surface of your skin um mm -hmm. and then there's different types of topicals some of them are going to penetrate deeper into the skin which is going to be called a transdermal and that's going to be crossing through um like deeper levels of your skin to get to your bloodstream Oh. and those can sometimes be a little bit psychoactive versus like a topical is going to just stay on the surface of your skin and those to my knowledge have no psychoactivity um but they can be really helpful for like surface level pain um mm -hmm. so yeah topicals suppositories let's see what else is there I don't know if uh, this is kind of considered an ingestible or a tink or a edible, but I love tinctures. Oh, it's probably my favorite, honestly, oh. my favorite consumption method. Yeah, I haven't had many tinctures, but I, I feel like if I were to consume CBG, that was like the first form I thought about because it's like quick, it goes in the body, I wouldn't have to worry about smoking anymore, and sometimes they taste kind of good. Yeah, I love a good tincture, and those can also work differently it can work more like an edible um or like a well-made tincture you can just sit it under your tongue and then it'll be absorbed into your bloodstream um in your mouth and it'll work a little bit faster than a normal edible and would the high be longer or shorter i feel like they're usually kind of in between a smoking and an edible high okay. like longer than a smoker's high but a little bit shorter than an edible high but the same with the effects too i feel like it's kind of in between mm -hmm. we need to do an experiment to test that maybe that'll be one of our next episodes yes yeah. different consumption methods yeah how we feel we try a bunch of similar products with the same you know supposed to be the same dosage and see how the effects are changed and we keep as much as the same as possible. But I feel like that could be a, that'll be our follow up with this maybe. That'd be fun. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, that would yeah. be fun. Yeah. All Look. the ground research is always fun. Look, community research, that's what we need. All right, well, thank you so much, Sai. I feel like you dropped hella knowledge today. Thank you for having me. Of course, and I think at this point we can get to our rapid fire questions. Ooh, all right. Okay, so first off, do you have a favorite strain or a favorite cannabinoid since that's what we're talking about today? Well, I think they may be able to guess my favorite cannabinoid, at least right now, is CBG. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite strain, hmm, I love Durban Poison. Ooh. Yeah, I do love that strain. Yeah. I love Clementine too. Honorable mention to Clementine. Facts. Yeah. I love anything citrusy. Mm hmm. Orangey. Mm hmm. Okay, and when you get the munchies, what snack are you reaching for? Oh, oh golden Oreos lately Ooh. have really been a problem for me. <laughs> Double stuffed Double. golden Oreos. You, you smart. <laughs> okay, and then what's your what's your consumption routine throughout the day? Like, mm, I love layering. I don't. Okay. There's a lot of like little things that I forgot to mention throughout this podcast. <laughs> Oh, no, of course. You don't have to say everything. <laughs> and with the consumption methods, one of the coolest things is the, la the art of layering. 
Um, and the idea is that different consumption methods have different, um, you know, onset and uh, like duration times, duration periods. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of time out your your consumption methods based on um, like when you want them to kick in. Mm-hmm. So I like to layer throughout the day. I'll usually, well, my ideal day, I'll give you my ideal day would be probably like maybe starting with a tincture or something and then like I love a morning dab I can't lie I love a morning dab and then do a joint and then the tincture will kind of kick in I'll take an edible at some point midday maybe and then I'll definitely like smoke at the end of my day and do a couple dabs like throughout and at the end of the day as well Um, but I like to do um, a combination of things for sure okay Sounds solid. I like layering too. All right, and lastly, can you just plug us to your website, social events, just any sort of opportunities to connect with you? Yeah, you can actually follow me on Facebook (laughs) (laughs) and Instagram. Um, My Facebook is just my first and last name, S-Y-A Collins. My Instagram is at E-S-S w-h-y-a-y-e and get it s y yeah if you sound it out it it makes my name but or how you spell my name but i post most things on there um i've been laying pretty low lately but anything i have coming up will be posted on there so feel free to follow me okay and we will and this will be in the show notes, y'all. You will see um, also references to some of the literature we have read. If you want to get deeper into some of the topics we talked about today. But we thank you for that overview of the endocannabinoid system. And just all the ways we can um, get high and that weed affects our body. So thank you for this. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. And with that, y'all, you know, like, comment, subscribe, do all the fun stuff, connect with us on socials, buy a shirt, buy your loved ones a shirt, buy some sweatpants, buy your loved ones some sweatpants. And we look forward to seeing you out and about if you're in the St. Louis area. But hit us up. Yeah. Have a good one.